Melbourne, this is it. This is one of your last warnings before our big month of live shows at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival. Strap in from March 26 onwards to uh, April 19. We are doing four live podcasts every Sunday at 3 o'clock. Uh, and then on the very last night of the festival, on the April 9th, we're doing the Drunk Cast, uh, which you are eligible to get into only if you buy a ticket to one of the four podcasts that we're going to have with massive international and national and all your favourite guests. Yeah, it's going to be a great month. We've also got our solo shows uh, every night of the festival, 7pm for me, Cutie Pie at the Imperial Hotel. 9.45 for Carl Chandler. Uh, world's greatest and best comedian, 9.45 at the Victoria Hotel. Tickets and information for all that stuff, littledumdumclub.com. We can't wait to see you there, guys. Hey, mates, welcome once again into the Little Dum Dum Club for another week. Thanks very much for joining us. My name is Tommy Dasselow. Sitting opposite me, the other half of the program, Carl Chandler. G'day, dickhead. You've done yourself a little bit of radio already this morning, haven't you? I know. I'm all, I'm all tuned up for, uh, uh, for talking. Broadcasting. For yeah. broadcasting, that's the word. Yeah. Um, yeah, I did an interview, did a clang with uh, Launceston Radio this morning already. Do you remember the name of the station? <laughs> no. Yeah. They... Coast FM, I'm guessing. Yeah. Uh, Something like that. Yeah. Uh, um, Apple point one FM. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so, so wait. Uh, Apple is like a sign on the frequency. Yeah, down yeah, there. yeah, yeah. They've got fruit <laughs> along the dial down in Tasmania. That's how it works. Yeah, I couldn't get a gig on Peach FM, obviously. <laughs> um, so, yeah. No, I did an interview where they go. This is an interesting angle. Mm-hmm. I don't know whether we should take this uh, angle with the guests maybe coming up. But I was talking about a gig I'm going to come down and do at Fresh at Launceston in a couple of weeks' time. Mm-hmm. And their angle was, right, uh, they said, oh, you, you're doing gigs at the moment. I said, yes. I said, uh, I did a gig last night. I'm trying out jokes at the moment. You know, it's really hit and miss. And they go, oh, great, okay. Tell us a joke that didn't go any good at all. I'm like, <laughs> okay. I'm like, are you sure? Because that's an angle where I'm telling, I'm making the show sound really bad. If I do a joke that didn't work, like, no, no, it'll be great. You're making the show coming up sound bad and you're making their show bad yeah, by giving yeah. them your worst content. Bad content all yeah, around. Not, not only that, but yeah, if they come and see me, they're expecting that joke that didn't work that they already heard before. <laughs> like that's double the bad. Yeah. So like, they go, no, that's, it'll be great, it'll be great. Okay, so then I did the joke and then they don't laugh and go, yeah, that's no good. I'm like, all right, well, we've all laughed. <laughs> Last year. So I, 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 yeah, I, I don't know if that's how they do it on all the fruit-based radio shows I'd down be there. Keen to hear what that's done to sales. For yeah, the, yeah, exactly. It's gone through the roof. Exactly. Of people demanding refunds. Yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, joining us on the show today, two big guests who we're very excited about. First of all, you know him from the Late Show, from Get This, from the upcoming Border Protection Squad. Please <laughs> <laughs> welcome back into the Little Dum Dum Club, Tony Martin. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Good to be here. Tommy, can I ask, have you heard any? Anything about the impending release? You know of what? We, I, stupidly, we had Ed on the show last week. So right. Ed, with him last Ed Cavalier show. Ed Cavalier's yeah. movie that he's uh, yeah. he's is into its. Is this its fourth year of post production at this point? It's it's uh, he's trying to break the record. Uh, Greg Fleet set with Die on Your <laughs> yeah. Feet yeah, yeah. between <laughs> filming and broadcast. That was four years. I think we're coming up to four years. But I think Ed, it's 2012 uh, it was filmed according to IMDb. I think it's, we did it actually in I mean, Flea's 11, on, 2011. Flea's on, Flea was on heroin. What's Ed's? What's holding Ed back? Yeah. He's on Triple M. <laughs> <laughs> That's much, much worse. Also joining us today uh, from the librarians, from Please Like Me, please welcome into the Little Dumb Dumb Club for the first time, Bob Franklin. Yeah, a much requested guest. Yeah. Oh, hello. You got any <laughs> thoughts on Triple M you'd like to share with us? <laughs> 
I, well, the I, last have a, time, I have a history, don't I, with Triple M? That's right. We did 163 uh, podcasts with Get This, and if you look at the, I think they're on iTunes somewhere. Maybe they've been taken down, but the one Bob was on was the only one that came with an R rating. <laughs> oh, because he did refer to the management in unflattering terms. <laughs> well, we, we, I remember we have tried to get you on the podcast before a couple of years ago, where we were recording from within that uh, building, and you said. I will have absolutely nothing to do with that suburb even, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the thing is, I don't know if your listeners would know where Triple M used to be in St Kilda, but they've now moved to Clarendon Street. That building where where Triple M was in St Kilda has remained empty for, I think, close to six years now. No one will lease it. It's like the building is cursed. That's that's prime real estate as well. Probably Bob Franklin. I think since Bob (laughs) appeared on Guinness. Oh, I thought you meant Bob Franklin lives there now. That would be interesting. (laughs) I thought you meant Bob Franklin's the real estate agent showing people around the building. Some bad juju in here. I'd like to see Triple M go and record in Beechworth Asylum. <laughs> uh, now, Tony, we often uh, we, yes. we we have it for whatever reason a history of having you on here generally around this time of year in the lead up to the comedy right. festival. Uh, I don't know if you've had the chance to peruse the guide this year, but I thought you'd be interested to know that the Faulty Towers dining experience is returning in 2015. Oh, this yep. has got to be the year for the Barry. Surely, <laughs> this is the year they get the Barry. Maybe because... this year they'll finally get the entree right, and, yeah. the, and the judges will be finally won over. Because as we pointed out, every time they have improved on the original Faulty Towers by spelling the word faulty correctly. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe the judges have just been put off by the fact that Manuel keeps dropping stuff without realising that's part of the joke. Like, yeah. the, the service in here is terrible. <laughs> oh, two stars. My dad my dad says every year that he's going to go and he never – like, I send him, right. I'm like, hey, the guide's out here are some people that I think that you might like that are really good and I'll send him a list and he'll go, what about that Faulty Towers dining experience? Yeah. Have you heard anything about that? And I go, since – well, as I've been telling you, since literally 2007 now, um, <laughs> I do not know a single person that's ever been to it. Why, why don't they bring out the rest of the 70s sitcoms theatre shows? Why, why isn't there a Robin's Nest – Musical that's, that's out for the comedy. I think we had here. this exact same conversation. Oh, really? Last time Tony was here. <laughs> I love that you've mentioned Robin's Nest because one of the greatest impressions that I have ever seen was Bob Franklin in his own comedy festival show about three years ago. Did uh, not from Robin's Nest, uh, Larry the Lodger. Larry the Lodger from yeah. uh, <laughs> Man About the House, which was the, uh, of course, Robin's Nest, the spin off. Spin off. Yeah. Uh, d- w- what was the reason for that, Bob? <laughs> Here we go. I love not just do it, just what were you thinking? What you to do it. Why, what, what point do you get into a writing meeting where you go, this, you know what this needs? Larry the Lodge. Yeah. <laughs> Considering how popular the show turned out to be, it is mystifying as to, uh, as to why I did it. Well, it was a great show. It was. <laughs> I'd like to see uh, the restaurant tram be taken over with uh, an on the buses theme. Oh, oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> On the buses, on a tram. Mm. <laughs> the name sells itself. Now that is a dining experience. A couple, like couple of dishy a... clippies on board. A <laughs> couple of Swedish au pairs. Have you guys uh, ever been on the restaurant tram? It's, it seems like a, one of those things where, like, my, as my dad would be want to say when I go overseas, he's like, why are you going over to some other country where you haven't even seen Ayers Rock yet? <laughs> so I feel like, why, have I, why am I going anywhere if I haven't been on why the I, restaurant tram in Melbourne? Why have I been to Macca's when I haven't been to the restaurant tram? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I see it all the time. I've never done it. Yeah. I have been on it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Scoop. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> is there Sorry, I'll a, take back that scoop. <laughs> Sorry to be crude about this, but is there a toilet 
on the restaurant yeah. on the restaurant tram. Yeah, just out the, the window. Yeah, there was. It was definitely it was definitely a toilet. Yeah. Is it just because it's, everything's? <laughs> I made a note at the time. Because <laughs> it's so compact, everything every inch has got to be you know like allocated for something. Is it just sort of you you empty all the pots and pans, and then you sort of have to go to the toilet in the pots and pans, or no, not as crude oh. as that. Okay, <laughs> I'll take that back. <laughs> I I wonder if they're able to put a restaurant a, a toilet on the restaurant tram. Why can't we have a toilet on every tram? You know what I mean? Yeah. Actually, yeah, that should be a thing. And why can't we have food on every tram? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Why isn't every tram just a restaurant? Yeah. Tram? yeah exactly. Yeah. Are there yeah. inspectors on the restaurant tram? Yeah. Can you see? That's what I eat. Is he having to get Mikey as well, or is it is that built into the cost of your meal? Yeah. Yeah. That, no, you get a diners club card. That's how you do that. <laughs> we should do it. We should go before the festival. I don't think we should at all. I why? think it'd, in my head it would cost a hundred dollars for a meal. It would cost something extremely exorbitant for something that. They're reheating a steak on there. Surely they're microwaving a steak or something. Yeah. They're not it's cooking be things like, properly, are they? It's going to be like airplane food quality. Yeah, sure. exactly. Bob, if you, if you, you just derailed the buffet car of a train, oh, yeah. could, you, oh, yeah. could you sell the idea similarly? Is there still buffet carts on trains? Because I used to, you know, especially V-line trains, there used to be dessert carts or, or whatever. But I don't know if they do that anymore. There's a definite, like there is a food bit. There's a food carriage. Have I ever told you about the, the, I was on a V line once I, because I used to live in, in central Victoria and I'd come back and forth and whatever, but there was these very excited couple on the train one time and they were really excited. We were sort of keen to know what they were on about and they were like, oh, this is going to be so good. You are going to be so sorry, mate. You, they kept saying that. I'm like, okay, all right. <laughs> and then we get to, where was it, Beaufort or something like that, some Creswick, maybe Creswick, and we stop in Creswick and we, as we're coming in, we notice there's someone from Pinky's Pizzas standing on the platform oh, oh. with like half a dozen pizzas and these guys are just going, yes, it's coming true. Oh, <laughs> so they've phoned in ahead. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. And these be- this bewildered delivery man with six pizzas and then he just, you know, the door's open or whatever and he goes, "Is this, did someone order a pizza <laughs> on this train? And they're like, yeah. And so they grab it and pay for it really quickly and then just bring it back and then just go, in your face, Simon, and eat six pizzas. <laughs> That's great. That's like, I think I told this a little while ago, I went to a concert and when the concert finished, it was at the Forum in Melbourne, big crowd of people rushing out with just a Domino's pizza delivery guy standing in the doorway with a couple of large pizzas. So someone's gotten to the encore and gone, you know what, this has been a fantastic gig, but you know what's really going to cap this <laughs> off? Not having to wait even one minute for a pizza after I've stepped yeah. out the door. Yeah, yeah great. Real well, good. Well, I think we ne- we've, we've got off the subject, which is why was Larry the Lodge <laughs> in your comedy festival? <laughs> um, why was he? Why was he? Well, I mean, the he, he author was... doesn't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, I mean, the idea of the show was that uh, the, the writers were trying to write a show. Well, one of the writers was trying to write a show and the other... His flatmate would continually come in with his own ideas and uh, having Larry the Lodger as a character in the show was one of his ideas. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure you need no more reason than that. (laughs) Did you have to clear that? I thought the writers was a great... I mean, there's two of them so far, isn't there? You did one with with Gatesy. Yes, Uh, yeah. Who was was in the other one? Uh, One was with Gatesy and Ros Hammond and one was with Steve Curry and Stephen Stagg. Great. Great shows. I saw it. What did I say? It wasn't the writers. The one before the writers. What was Stubborn it? Monkey. Sue Robert. Stubborn Monkey Disorder was before that. That oh. was the one with Gacy. Okay, yes, I saw that one. Yes. yes. Was there a year, I remember remembering this correctly, maybe a few years ago now, you did the Comedy Festival and your marketing thing was you printed up just literally five posters that were all a different image and had them just 
around uh, various venues. And, and, yeah. and which, if I remember rightly, none of the posters contained any information yeah. whatsoever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, so the, the Sir, Robert, uh, Sir Robert posters had... Uh, they, they did have the name of the room. Right. As right. that was, it was sort of secret. Or times. No, or nothing like that. Nothing, nothing no. to overload people. <laughs> <laughs> but, the, but to the general public, that is such a weird thing to put on anyway. Because you know, in comedy, you know the names of all the rooms in the town hall and whatever. <laughs> but but then you're just saying the toilet room to people, and they yeah. go, "What's that? Why are we going? Are we going to the town hall, not to a toilet or whatever?" But they've all got these bizarre. <laughs> I do remember when you saw like a wall of posters, and that one was there. Your eye did go to that one. Yeah, it was. But I don't know whether that translated into bums on seats. <laughs> no, it didn't. <laughs> Are you doing a show this year, Bob? Well, uh, actually, the one with the poster for Stubborn Monkey Disorder had even less. <laughs> that literally just had the, the festival logo on. Yeah. It didn't even say the name of the room. It, it just said nothing. a room. It was, it, he had the logo on it. You've sold out. <laughs> <laughs> hey, what was your blurb? Even the, the picture was out of focus as well. <laughs> And the, what did the blurb in the program say? I remember. Something about hard seats or something. You seem oh, to have yes. such a hard time recalling work that you've done <laughs> not even that long ago. You're able to remember that there was a toilet on the restaurant tram, but not details of something that you wrote. I can't remember where I parked. <laughs> That's right. It said, all it said in the comedy festival program was. There are no easy answers, only hard seats. <laughs> <laughs> That's all it said. So you 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 treat them mean, keep them keen. Is it is that working out? Are you you st- no no, no it's okay. not. <laughs> they didn't turn out to be keen at all. <laughs> What's this, what are you doing this year? What's this year's one? Nothing. Nothing. Oh, Nothing. Oh. No. Well, I was going to do one with Gatesy and right. Lawrence Mooney and, and oh, Fleet. Yes. And um, it was all designed to be in the Melbourne Council Chambers. Yep. And I think for the first time in 17 years, the council withdrew the room. Really? Yeah. Because oh. that is a strange room. When you, have you ever seen a show in that I room? I have seen a show in there, well, yeah. Well, you, in a parliament. Yeah, yeah so yeah. Gates had come up with this idea that was specifically designed for that room, and when that fell over, now, it wasn't really... Who ruined it? Because I remember the last person I saw in there was Greg Fleet. <laughs> <laughs> So, I feel like I feel like you're leading the witness. I feel like <laughs> I feel like you know the answers to all of these questions you're asking, Tony. Well, the last, yeah, Fleety. He's, he's, yeah, I think Fleety shot himself in the foot in advance because he didn't want to be doing uh, two shows, so he right. he loused it up for for Gatesy. By, Greg um, Fleet not reliable. We, okay, <laughs> you right. heard it here first. Right. Toilets on the restaurant tram. <laughs> don't trust Fleet. Yeah, he he deliberately sabotaged the room. <laughs> well, because I, I, I think I remember you you got the the Moosehead Award. It was a grant that you got. So did that go, just go straight to Fleety, and that's why you don't have it anymore? Or <laughs> I, I I think it gets carried over. Right. Okay. Oh, you I can say I haven't heard the last word on that, but. Um, oh. I think the, we're looking at this as a postponement. Oh, right. Okay. You can just pop out the voucher next year. Right. So you just got to keep... Yeah, I, I, couldn't, uh, I couldn't say that for sure. So you've got to keep abreast now of the kind of political comings and goings and make sure that council don't need to be That's sitting it. in those chambers for the month of March next year. I've got to be in on every board meeting <laughs> from now on. <laughs> 
Can you rewrite it for the carpet room in uh, <laughs> down at what's it called? The, uh, this is getting very the forum. Like baseball, but yeah, there's yeah, a there's a room called the carpet room, which is slightly bigger than our bodies combined here at the moment. And uh, is there any is there any carpet gear you can wedge into your show that you can? Oh, I'm sure there is. I mean, we had nothing to start with, so. I'm really <laughs> <laughs> what about a show like in the Melbourne Aquarium? You know, where people are standing there watching you swim around in the tank. That could be cool. That would be the worst idea of all time. Watching the aquarium be so much more interesting than... That's, I remember someone did do a corporate gig not long ago and they told me they instead of, you know, the traditional brick wall behind you because that's, that's nothing interesting to look at, they're standing in front of whales and fish and rainbow right. trouts or something and it's like, why am I listening to your Yoda accent? Why, why am I not just why watching not fish? Why not just sell tickets to the aquarium? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Here's my new gig. It's in front of a giant TV that yeah. plays uh, the complete series of The Simpsons. Yes, yeah. Just, yeah, that's just a backdrop. <laughs> well, yeah. I remember Anthony Morgan one year did his show at the Planetarium. That was a pretty oh, wow. good venue. Oh. I had terrible – I was up near Pluto with <laughs> terrible seats. But that was that's a good you've idea. you've time-marked that story of how long <laughs> yeah. ago that was. Yeah. 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 Um, hey, well, I want to ask you guys this thing. This is something that I'm doing later today, and you guys have got much experience with, with creating TV shows and movies. I'm always at an absolute loss of what to do in auditions. I've got an audition later on today. But as Tommy and I often talk about on the show, like Tommy had an audition a little while back where he got the, uh, the sheet that said, okay, this is who you're auditioning for. Oh, a real idiot. Oh, yeah, no. So it was, um, hey, here's the part we want you to audition for. I go, great, I'm being asked to do this. This is, you know, cool. And the role was, uh, the highlighted for me was, we zoom in on an unattractive man. If attractiveness can be sca- measured on a scale of one to ten, then this guy is definitely a one. Like, just went on for sentences oh. and sentences. Like, That's I what... get it. Yeah, I know I get it. <laughs> well, I've got one today that is – and I, I don't get auditions. Uh, you know, I've, I've made it very clear in my auditions that I shouldn't get auditions and mm. I think the word's gone around. Yeah. So I've, I'm auditioning today just out of the blue. This is not a cattle call. I've got this specific person uh, hit me up that I've never heard of going, we really, really want you in. I've tried to put them off i cancelled it three times they've still come back to me so i finally read the the blurb thing it's socially challenged person weird middle-aged mummy's boy <laughs> and it sounds like they can't they can't imagine anyone else doing yeah. the role except for the chan man yeah, right no, you're here. the guy yeah and That's... are we allowed to ask what it what it is what is it i no, i don't know what it is it didn't old even... diapers yeah. oh is it oh is it well that weird oh, thing so where it's like, like a it's an ad is it an no ad? no i believe it's a I, from what I read, and I really did skim it. I just took out those terrible bits. Uh, from what I believe, it's a TV show that might get up. Right. Um, so it didn't. It doesn't sound like a very attractive prospect to me to come along and make pretend for no good reason. Is the show called Socially Challenged Mummy's Boy? Because uh, in that case, oh, if it's the lead, the if I've got the role. lead, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh. Maybe it's, a, maybe it's a play on a restaurant tram. I don't yeah. know. Well, I was with you the other day when I got an email from a, a casting agent that was on audition for an ad and it was filming, like, I had to film myself and send it in and it was filming two days from when they sent it to me and the ad was uh, you, they were filming you skydiving and they were like, you, you, may have to do it a, a, you may have to do it a maximum of six times. You might have to jump out of a plane six times in a day. In a row. For, in right. a row, yeah, in the one day. So really? Not, yeah. not green screen. Yeah, yeah, actually jump out of a plane and then be 
And so you've got a camera guy there, presumably, or however, or someone with a GoPro, or however. Or is it the tandem? Because that, have you ever skydiving? I've, ne- I've never done it before. But the no. first time you do it, don't you have to sort of yeah. be in a tandem? Strap on the back of a guy, like a child. It yeah. Just seems well, like... you yeah. I mean, if it was tandem, you'd be strapped to someone. Yeah. If it was solo. I mean, they'd have to. You'd have to do a whole course. I didn't do it. I didn't send the thing in because I just felt like I just. I've never done it. I kind of would like to do it, but I feel like if you jump out of a plane six times in one day, you want to be dead. <laughs> yeah, like, you definitely right. don't yeah. want to be alive anymore. That's like so buying six tickets in the lottery. You I know, am, you're trying. I have wanted to do skydiving since I was a kid, and I love the idea of it. But it's the landing. It's the. I just know I would land with one leg on either side of like a corrugated iron fence. <laughs> It'd be some Benny Hill yeah. landing, skewered on like a, a church. Yeah. In Hawthorne, there's that church with the really pointy. So I just yeah, know yeah. I would be skewered <laughs> yeah. like a. Oh, if you do it, you you win Australia's funniest home videos grand final <laughs> yeah. for sure. Like, but that's the thing when you know when someone like when there's been an accident, people go off and go, "Oh, there's been this this absolute terrible accident with skydiving." I'm always like. Do you call that an accident? Yeah. Like a guy jumped out of a plane and he didn't end up well. Is yeah. that technically an accident? The thing that was meant to happen happened. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. Everything's pointing towards like, that happening. I'd be so I'd be shitting myself before it each time. And I just imagine going like racing through the air for the first time and having to do dialogue and then going <laughs> yeah, and then yeah, going yeah. like being so shit scared and then getting to the ground and going holding the product thank- up. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like getting to the bottom and then being like, thank God that's over. And then the director going, yeah, can you just do it a little bit more like this? And then they're gassing the plane up again and just yeah. going, oh, man. Yeah, you get halfway down, you drop your can of Fanta. Like... <laughs> <laughs> well, see, the, this is what that I mean. Like can you... of Fanta gains momentum and like actually kills someone when it's yeah. the earth. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So you guys have casted for things before, though. I've only ever done one audition because it's a nightmare, an audition. Right. And, and you just can't. Yeah, you know, I just am terrible in auditions. Yeah. And the only one I ever did was uh, for MDA, you know that show? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's lawyers Medi- and doctors. Medical. I always thought it should have been thought- called Diagnosis Guilty. <laughs> <laughs> I you were going to say for with- MDMA, like you were literally advertising <laughs> ecstasy on the air. No, I've gone for MDA and I didn't know what it was and I get there and the woman goes, okay, now you're playing a pedophile. And I've, <laughs> and I've gone, right, should, it, is there a, should I do... And then your brain's going... What what is pedophile acting? Should I? And then she's going, no, just do it as yourself. Yeah. Oh, and then it just wow. turns out, because it's a nice young man who no one would suspect. And I, it was a disaster. And then I watched the episode. You know who got it? Alan Bro. Oh, wow. So they obviously had an idea of what a pedophile was. It was a thin, nerdish New Zealander yeah. with glasses on. That's specifically just... the New Zealand bit of that is like, yeah, the, yeah that's the full on bit. Yeah. That's the only, and then that audition. It's so like Lord of the Rings and pedophilia. That's what they think of New Zealand. <laughs> Together at last. But it was so bad because it was for the ABC drama department. My audition was so bad that I've never got another audition at the ABC for anything. Oh, wow. So it was like the, the smell just ten years later. They can still oh, no, remember. That's it. what we, we talked about that the other week when Xavier Michael Leedy's pitched a sketch uh, for a sketch show and – it was so bad that they hung on to it to show to potential oh, no. sketch writers, <laughs> don't do this. Of what not to do. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, man. But, Bob, you get, you get lots of proper acting. That's because, Bob, I know there was a phase there where you were drug dealer on Stingers. Yeah. Dodgy bar owner on Rush. I, I quit doing auditions about but three or four years But surely by now people ago. know what they're getting. Yeah. Well, yeah. Bob yeah, it's a, it's a 
the whole process. I mean, it's like they go out out of their way to make you feel uncomfortable in those things. And yeah. I just say, I'm not fucking doing this anymore. It's uh, it's just absurd. Yeah. Casting agents have the least kind of social, like all of that politeness and stuff. They they're the they're the you know profession that has the least of that. Like you know like with the unattractive thing. Yeah. Like no, imagine anyone else in any field like sending that to someone or saying that to someone like they just they don't care they're just like all right let's get the fat guys in here now yeah now let's see the ugly women like yeah yeah just just let it all go yeah like it must be i think you'd enjoy being (laughs) (laughs) i'm sort of going what kind of mind and then i'm sitting directly opposite the kind of mind that would love that yeah exactly there's a little bit of me that did enjoy getting that sent to me because i just thought yeah you got me well done (laughs) Well played. <laughs> but there was a th- years ago, uh, the Stingers, what I mentioned, that was a show where every comedian in Melbourne was, you know... Uh, Peter Matt, Phelps was the lead? Peter Phelps was the lead, but yeah. there was just like one week it'd be Matt Quartermain uh, yeah. would be a dodgy drug dealer. Then, uh, you know, Dave O'Neill was like a crime boss. Yeah. And I met... Flady was shooting up. Oh, was just, just, he was, wasn't in it, but... It documentary yeah. footage. <laughs> <laughs> I remember years later I worked with uh, a librarians, in fact. Andy, uh, who was producer on third series of librarians, he was casting for Stingers. I go, what was with the comedians? And he said, we had been through Showcast twice. Like yeah. literally every actor in Melbourne had been on Showcast twice. Yeah. And they went, what, we just can't have, you know uh, – uh, Steve Bastoni yet again. Yeah, so yeah. they got the comedy <laughs> festival program. Yes. And apparently they would go, right, we've got a uh, dodgy drug dealer, uh, Tim Harris, he'd be good. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. And well type. Oh, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> dodgy Spanish waiter. I used to watch Blue Healers growing up and even at a young age I remember being aware that they were going through, like actors were getting Same a second thing. shot and it's like, who is this mysterious guy? It's like, that's the drug dealer from like a month ago. <laughs> yeah, just, yeah. Just... Right, is like you know, you, yeah. surely you remember him. Yeah. You know, the, the day that I was on Stingers, uh, they decided for some bizarre reason that they wouldn't use false money anymore. Oh, right. <laughs> oh. What I used to do when there was a, a deal going down was they'd have one one real note on top of the wedge <laughs> yes. and one underneath, and the rest would be just paper. And bizarrely, they decided, no, we're not doing that any, anymore. We're going to be totally authentic. So they had a wedge of $50 notes, <laughs> and it's just gone missing. <laughs> <laughs> and I was, I was the main suspect. <laughs> <laughs> Who looks dodgy around here? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Drug dealer yeah, over there. The guy that we cast as the dodgy, dodgy guy, yeah. Oh, wow. And it didn't turn up? No, it turns out that... Um, Phelps, he had, had uh, he'd put it on a, a board because it was you know, being filmed in your, you know, your desolate uh, warehouse somewhere. And um, the board had done some sort of Scooby-Doo type thing where it had <laughs> gone down and come back up <laughs> minus the money. <laughs> and they found it upstairs in this little cavity in the wall where uh, Phelps, he put it down on this, this seesaw type board. Wow. Either that or Phelps, he was just... Yeah, I'm putting it somewhere, on the coming take. back for it later, but it all got a bit hot for him. <laughs> Is that a thing where there's like a crime on the set of a cop show and then the actors' like instincts are kind of kicking in and they're like, no, nah, no, nah, we can solve this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, this is what we've been preparing, pretending yeah. for this whole time. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. <laughs> but you've, you've cast stuff before, Tony. Bob, Bob yeah. you would have been the same. But I've, I, the idea of making people audition is just so – I feel so sick doing that. that if I'm writing something, I try and – 
because it helps when you're writing something to imagine. Like if you if you're writing it with Bob Franklin in mind, yeah, you're immediately going, "Well, Bob wouldn't say that word." Yeah, uh, but Larry the Lodger, you know, yeah, <laughs> Larry the Lodger might come out with that. <laughs> but with uh, I just worked on Upper Middle Bogan, and that was... I wish I'd played the character in Bad Eggs as Larry the Lodger. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, you've got to be coming up to some kind of anniversary of it. Do a George Lucas and recut it. Digitally reinsert Bob Franklin doing his bit as Larry the Lodger. But no, but on Upper Middle Bogan, you you get tapes of people and you're just going, that person might have had a bad day. They don't. You're also, you've got to act in the audition with just someone who's reading really blandly off a script. It's. The, the, it's like the audition itself is the worst possible circumstance yeah. in which to see an actor. And I always remember reading the, the best book about directing ever is uh, Elia Kazan's uh, books that he did. And he, he never auditioned anyone. He would meet an actor and go for a walk with them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He'd just nice. go for a walk and talk to them, ask them about their family, ask them about what they think of it. And he said by the end of a half-hour walk, he knew exactly what he could get out of that person. Well, that, that skydiving thing, they wanted me to... Film myself on my phone and send it in, but I had to do it as if I was skydiving. <laughs> so I would have had to do the lines, like film into my phone, going, "Gee, if only there was a way I could deposit some money into your account." <laughs> but I'm in the middle of something right now. I'm like, did they want me to get like a hairdryer and be like simulating the wind rushing past my face? Like, of course, the ad would have been a lot funnier, honey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, green screened really badly. I'm obviously just standing up, and they've like tilted the image. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Everyone I know who's ever been in an ad says that you do the scene, and the director gives you something, and then you always see there's this row of seats, and there. The client, yeah. the people from the agency, and they always come over and say something in the director's ear, and then the director comes over and goes, could you do one a bit bigger? Yeah. <laughs> and it's like they're spending so much money on this 30 seconds that really if we can get the acting really big. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So ads tend to have this kind of way bit too big kind of acting. Remember years ago Wayne Hope did some ads for some kind of soup and they were really <laughs> funny? And I remember saying to him, how did it end up funny? And he said, they just let me do what I want improvise it and they didn't change it very much. Right. Wow. But the soup industry very yeah. laid back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do what you want, guys. This yeah. product's selling itself. We barely even need ads. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Who's watching TV going, yeah, soup would be good tonight. Yeah. Soup's like a soup's like a last resort. I reckon. Yeah. Lucky I put money into my account after I watched that skydiving ad. <laughs> <laughs> now I can go and buy some soup. <laughs> um, hey, talking about the comedy festival, um, I, I, what I always hear about you, Bob, I've never spoken to you about this, is um, early Great on. Great way to start a question. Yeah. <laughs> Bob just tensed up immediately. <laughs> yeah, early I, on. I, I, I do sell a lot of drugs during <laughs> the festival, yeah. Where did that money go? No, um, I used to hear all those stories about you guys, like you and Jamal and starting out like in Melbourne. I, I think you'd, you'd, you'd started out uh, previously in the UK, but like they're being, they're being really rough gigs. I used to hear lots of stories. And I, when I met you and even when I met Jamal, and I was always a bit like, oh, geez, these guys are, these are tough guys. It sounds like it, the image that got into my head is that every time you went to do a gig, you'd do some jokes and you'd punch some people. Like they were all <laughs> very violent gigs. Is that... I've been conjured up. The very first gig that I got paid for was in the in Greenwich in London, and it was um, a place called the Tunnel Club, and it was emceed by a guy called Malcolm Hardy. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm. Probably know Malcolm. He was a he was a very um, famous figure. He um, unfortunately he died. He was living on a houseboat, and he and he died. 
He was also famous for having the largest testicles in England. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, she had... Yeah, that all shown up, that, <laughs> that corner of the market. Um, but Malcolm would often, at this, this club, it was a cavernous club, and it was, uh, it was often like, full of Millwall supporters. And uh, Malcolm would often bring people on by having the whole audience chanting, fuck off. <laughs> right. And then he'd, bring, then he'd bring you on. Right. Um, and... Oh, yeah, I mean, there'd be all sorts of people. There'd be chairs thrown at acts, and, and this was my first ever paid Right. Gig, and I did about seven minutes to complete silence. And came they just off. threw the chairs silently. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in slow motion. <laughs> I came off, and Matt said, uh, Died a death. Never mind. What are you drinking? <laughs> that, that was my introduction to, uh, to comedy in, in London. Yeah, right. But um, in Melbourne, you were... I always associate you with the Star and Garter down yes. there in South Melbourne. You and Jamoan and Glenn Robbins, Marty Sheargold. Yeah, the Star and Garter wasn't a, a That wasn't gig. cheer-throwing country, nah, was No, no, that, uh, that was a lovely little room. But, um, yeah, uh, yeah, I suppose there was a few places. I got told that you had... You got severely beaten up after your first gig. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, no, that was... Uh, that was prior to my first, one of my first open spots right. in London again. Um, I, I, a mate of mine had been giving some lip to, um, to, to this, this bunch of guys called the Southgate Posse. <laughs> 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 and, yeah. I think you know where this is going. <laughs> and they followed us on the bus and when we got off... It was about 18 of them and uh, they piled into my mate and I jumped in to help him out and just got the shit kicked out of me and I had my, well, it was actually, I think it was my third open mic spot the very next night uh, and I thought, well, I can't go on and talk about the fact that, I, I mean, I had two, like, you know, panda, like, black eyes. <laughs> right. and, um, so I just wore all the stuff that I'd worn on the night, which was covered in blood and um, I've got that, I've still got the scar on the nose there and... And that was all scabbed up at the time, and uh, the eyes were black and purple and yellow. And so I just went on, and the first five minutes I did was was just about uh, the the incident the night before. And um, <laughs> it, as is the way with people, I mean, they started laughing before I said anything. It's a sad indictment of yeah. human race, really. <laughs> 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 Just enjoyed the misery, <laughs> and that was it. It went, it went, uh, it went very well as a as a result. <laughs> and, um, so did you have to keep blacking up the. <laughs> I, did, I did actually do. Look at the comedy festival guy. Where's the really beaten up dude? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for a while there, I did uh, once it had once it had uh, faded away. I did um, get some get some makeup and, and black up the eyes a bit, and it's it's like that sad thing where you know when people still do. Jokes about Bill Clinton, they can't get rid of that topical stuff from 20 years ago. You're still <laughs> relating to, you know, these black eyes that you don't have anymore. <laughs> Who would you rather spend time with, the Southside Posse or the management of Triple M? <laughs> <laughs> but we did, we did do the, um, the Port Melbourne Festival um, very early on and uh, there was a big fight after that. They were just like young kids, but of course you, you forget the kids are kids now when they're 12, 14, they're... Uh, they're hulking brutes. Yeah. And 
you know, you're trying to, you know, you're trying to reason with them because it's it's a festival, and you know, you're trying to keep it light, and it's like, <laughs> come on, boys, it's just a laugh. And then uh, it's all exploding. The police have come, and that was was that 1990. Comedy's so boring now. No one gets into any punch-ups <laughs> yeah. post-gig. Yeah, I haven't heard of anyone fighting anyone the whole time of any comedy. Bloody social media, mate. Yeah, yeah, I blame Twitter. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, it was yeah. a very young industry back then. Yeah, the whole yeah. concept was um, was fairly new and people... They hadn't worked out that you're not allowed to punch people yet. Is that what <laughs> well, you're saying? Well, I mean, or? you know, if, you, if you're doing like an open-air gig in Port Melbourne and, um, uh, you know, just... Pointing, you know, if people are saying things and you're having to go at them up on stage, there wasn't that knowledge of that's right. That it's you know, all fun and games. Of the game. It was. Yeah, we're going to get this guy afterwards. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> I, did, I didn't like what he said about Yoda up there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, I've and I read this about you recently. I because I've I've played indoor soccer with you. Speaking of violence, but. Uh, you because you're you're very handy and you play every week. I'm not sure if you play multiple times a week, but you you, you still play at least once a week. This might be the first engagement I've ever had with you, Bob, where you haven't turned up with a bag full of your soccer kit <laughs> straight from a game. Right. Yes, well, I, I would. Um, I mean, I certainly turned down a lot of gigs on the basis of having to play. Yeah, and you know, <laughs> would would come back. Get, get like half past four in the morning flights back from Port Macquarie or whatever when it was on the Festival Road show to play on the Sunday. Oh, right, yeah. Awesome. <laughs> but I, I didn't know this. You, you, are you teaching at the Archie Thompson School of Soccer? Well, I, I'm one of the assistant right. coaches, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Is that a, a, an ongoing thing? Yeah. Oh, Wow. Because yeah. I'm, you know, I've, I've, like I said, I've played with you before and I've always been absolutely fanatical with soccer all my life. So I'm like, I didn't know you were, you'd taken it pro. Oh, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, they, they bung you a few bucks for it, but it's, it's not, uh, it's, um, you know, it's not like a, not like a big thing. I mean, it only happens that, that you know, they'll have like a day here and then a three day camp there and, they, you know, it could be. A lot of time in between them. Do you have that? But they're thing? trying to build it up, so I suppose it could, it could grow. Do you have that thing because you're playing social soccer and because you're in that sort of environment? Like Dave Thornton, friend of the show, um, does a lot of uh, playing recreational basketball, playing you know Wednesday nights and whatever. And you know he starts getting you know hecklers or whatever on the court when they're talking trash. It's like yeah, go, go you and Fifi Box go fuck yourself. Oh, you know, yeah. <laughs> what, what's the secret sound? It's me punching you in the face, you fuckhead. You know, <laughs> yeah, it's a bit of that goes on. All oh, right, so you get recognised and you. Yeah, I mean, if I'm stepping up to take a penalty, I'll get a bit of. Uh, he won't score. He's a comedian. Yeah, yeah, right. Uh, this, yeah, Jamal would have slotted that, not you though. <laughs> <laughs> I think you could probably give a bit of coaching to a young Carl Chandler because you do you play in an indoor. Soccer league that's yes. a team made up of co- local Melbourne comedians. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Well, I asked Bob just the other day because he, he actually plays on the day that we play already. So we have a local team of all comedians that we put together about a year, uh, maybe a year and a half ago. And our name is 
uh, Greg Larson's Rat World. Um, <laughs> which is Greg Larson's a local comedian. He's been on the show, friend of the show. Uh, and the idea was... And he doesn't play in the team. He doesn't play in the team. <laughs> the vague idea would be, the funny comical idea of it would be that Greg was going to turn up in a bad polyester suit every week with a clipboard <laughs> and yell out comical things to us and it would all be a bit of fun. And that was the actual idea until we started playing and everyone realised that I'm an actual nutcase and I'm doing all the screaming, which would be embarrassing to have Greg on the side of the field because he would be half of what I do. Like he's sort of going, oh, come on, chaps. I'm literally on the field going, you fucking idiots and like and that's just to my teammates and you've your numbers have dwindled because you have a lot of people who've played in your team once and once only yeah they've seen the real you yeah this was meant to be fun on a sunday afternoon i never want to have anything to do with this again ronnie chang lasted one game (laughs) Uh, (laughs) who's good who's actually can play um, I can play. Right. Like, out of all the people I know that are... Uh, it's remarkable, you know what... The that would be great if you were that violent on the field, but you were shit. Like, you yourself <laughs> are no good and you're yeah. just, like, real aggressive. I, I don't know if you agree with this, Bob, but it tends to be nearly... If you're sort of good at comedy, you're sort of good at soccer. Like, the people that are playing. I, don't, I, I can't think of any two extremes, like, that someone's really good at one and not that good at the other. Well, it, it can be quite surprising, uh, you know, looking at people... Uh, in the comedy world, there's, yeah. there's people who um, you wouldn't necessarily pick as being being um, football players, but Danny Kitson is a very good player. I heard this. I heard he's very competitive as well. David O'Doherty, very, very competitive. Yeah, David's David's competitive. Um, but uh, Danny's very, you know, he's got a very nice touch on the ball. He's very right. skillful. Um, Phil Kay. I don't think yep. Phil... Did you know Phil? Yeah, for, yep. Phil was... Uh, T. Martin, how's he go? <laughs> <laughs> well, I... Because I'm terrible at most sports, but when I was a kid, I was actually really good at... And this never fails to get a laugh. It's a true fact. Badminton. Oh, yeah. Oh, Badminton. Nice. And you know what badminton is? It's basically tennis for people with weak girls' wrists. <laughs> right. It's very light... The shuttlecock. So yeah. I was really quite good at badminton, but it was just so tediously boring that I yeah. stopped doing it. And then I got obsessed with prank calling the badminton centre <laughs> uh, because there was a woman who was fo- who who there was obviously something they told them to do whenever she answered the phone. She go badminton admin. <laughs> oh, wow! No, I was just constantly. My friend at high school was a uh, captain of lawn bowls at his <laughs> school, and he would like tell that to girls at parties to impress them, and we'd go, man. Don't bring that out. And he's like, what? You're the captain of a sport. That's a bragging right. It's like, not no. not if it's lawn bowls. I think lawn bowls is the one thing that's immune to well, that. Well, it's good that you brought up the prank calls. Like, because, you know, re- reading your books that you've yes. you put out and uh, you, you see a sense of that, the, the old school make your own fun, entertainment, yes. whatever. Like, yes. I, we, we used to have this thing of uh, we figured out how to record prank calls at one stage right. when I was probably about 16 or 17 and what we turned into a thing of going you know you'd make the prank calls very funny huh, whatever let's make a game of it though so our game would be say it would be your turn to make the prank call, phone call we'd be sitting here we'd go through the phone book and no. find the most ridiculous business or name and then not tell you it just go Nine eight six eight six eight nine eight, and then you'd ring up and have to find out, and it'd be a game of you ring yeah, up going, right. uh, "Hello, right. yeah, I've just got to check what the name of this. Uh, uh, who have I called again? I, I can't remember. Have I got the right number? Who do you think you've called? Oh no, I don't. Uh, you tell me, okay? Bumhole plumbing, like, and then <laughs> yeah. and then you just hear six people, six guys go, "Ah, yes, yes." <laughs> we had uh, we were very lucky at my school in uh, New Zealand, Thames, New Zealand. We had uh, identical twins, the Whitworth twins, right? And they would do. They had some very low level pranking. They were just more 
just fuck with people in shops. Like one of them would go in and say, can I try these trousers on and go into the thing? And then the other one would come in and they would go, didn't he already go in there? Yeah. But we would spend out, and they hated doing this, but we would go, hang on, here's one. The Ferris wheel at the show. So we, I remember we, had, we did one thing where we got one of them to go on the Ferris wheel and then the other one to have all his clothes torn. <laughs> and so while it was going around, he went up to the guy and claimed that he'd fallen off and the guy had seen him go on. So you guys hours. are riding for these twins. And we were riding for them. <laughs> they're unwilling participants right. in this. Yeah, that's great. They, they didn't like it doing it themselves, but we were just endlessly coming up with prank material <laughs> for identical twins. That's great. You were, li- you were living like a page in Wizard and Chips. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> Wizard, I love Wizard and Chips. Bob would have got Wizard and Chips when when you were a kid, surely. Yes, for sure. Those old school, so, so people that don't know at home, it was sort oh, of like a culture. Room. Yes. <laughs> it was a comic within, it was two comics in one. But they, they used to be, the was it IPC printing, I yeah, think. Yeah, Fleetway. Fleetway, right. Fleetway In comics. England, so they made all these like, not your flashy comic books like now, they were like on butcher's paper, no yeah. glossy cover. It was Wizard and Chips, there was Buster, there was Whoopee. Well, there was, the uh, Bob probably would know the, there was another company that did, uh, Beano, Beano, yeah, and uh, Dandy, Dandy. Yeah. That was that was that was like the Marvel, yeah. And then the DC <laughs> yeah. was Fleetway that oh, did Wizard right. and Chips, yeah. uh, Core, yeah, Whoopi, and then Action Comics, Action, which were the serious. I had the first edition because the great thing about these comics is the first three issues always came with an amazing free gift. Yes. Like, uh, yep. I think Crazy, with a K, uh, first issue came with a squirt ring. Yeah. So it's right. a ring. Uh, second you issue, just imagine the people Wobbler. <laughs> it was the thing, it was like a bulb you put under the tablecloth and then you had another bulb, so someone put their plate of soup on top of it. <laughs> bang! It's gone everywhere. <laughs> Cop that. But you would remember these, Bob. Oh, it doesn't get any crazier than that. <laughs> crazy with a K. Kelly, you have a, a whole chapter in your book, Tony, where you talk about Wizard and Chips? Yeah, well, I was obsessed with Wizard and Chips because what what it was was there was Wizard and then Chips was inside Wizard. So it was two comics and one. But in order to separate them, you'd have to undo the staples. But then whoever had Chips now had unstapled pages. And because I had a part-time job in the... Uh, in the in the office at the school, I had access to the giant stapler, yeah, yeah. which could staple a comic. Yeah. So like I was the guy. Like people would call me. I'm going. I got. A, I got a chips, <laughs> and I got two copies of Shake that are from the inside of Shiver and Shake. Can you do? Oh. Yeah, can you do them by lunchtime? So in lunchtime, I would staple. I would repair people's comics. So Shiver and Shake looked at the the the. Wizard Chips and went looked at that model and went, yeah, this yeah. is the future. But then what would happen with these comics is once they got unpopular, they would be the phrase was incorporated into yes. another comic. So yep. Shiver and Shake was uh, incorporated into Whoopee. Yeah, I thought you were going to say <laughs> Shiver and Shake was inside Chips, which is inside. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like a turducken. Of comics. <laughs> I used to hate when I was growing up and there'd be comics or like activity books or whatever where they'd have a page where you had to cut stuff out. Like it was uh, those yeah, little paper yeah. dolls that you could make, but then on the other side of the page is just the first page of a well, comic. Well, that's why you buy two copies. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. That's yeah, when it's you buy two scams. copies. But that, that's like Mad Magazine for me. Everyone's always like, oh, what was the fold in this month? I'm like, I'm not folding it. Oh, that's, you didn't, you didn't I'm collecting Mad Magazine. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, like that would actually be rare. It'd be rare to find copies of Mad Magazine now. Like they encourage people to defile your copy of Mad Magazine. You can't get a pristine copy of any Mad Magazine. Well, can I, was, you? I would have that one. That's I was where a kid. Carl starts shouting and swearing. <laughs> <laughs> I would always find that weird when I'd go to a garage sale and he'd find a stack of Mads, and they'd all be, they'd all, none of them would have the folding oh, done, no. and really? I would do it instantly right. and just go. I feel really this kid. Or whoever kept it in pristine condition just for me to come along one day and go, yeah, just immediately. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I, my stepdad used to, was such a big fan of uh, Neil Diamond's uh, Hot August Night album that he had Great two copies. Great on that cover, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't do it. But he, he Turned had, into just Hot Night. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, if you've got the gatefold. But he had the, uh, the copy for playing and then the copy that just was on the shelf that no one was allowed to oh, touch. Oh, nice. And that was, I was, found that quite inspiring. Yeah. That you would be such a fan of an album that you would have two copies yeah because and then the idea that you, you're saving it for on sell value yes. one day so yeah. it has to at least double for you to get your investment back of getting your one that you're playing as but well. in those days I remember we mentioned gatefold remember an album would come out and they would have a gatefold cover but then you buy it a couple of years later they've got rid of the gatefold and frankly the cardboard's thinner and not as good <laughs> yeah <laughs> this is like <laughs> the olden days yeah, yeah. <laughs> well yeah. another thing that you mention in your book I can't remember which I think it might be Nest of Occasionals yes. that I tweeted you about after I read it because right. it's something that I'd forgotten about that I just couldn't believe anyone else remembered you talk about a your local video store having spaces in the car park. Oh yeah, where Video had, Easy. Yeah, where they had actors' names. That's right. They had the uh, oh. Video Easy would have you know be Bruce Willis <laughs> on the car space <laughs> or you know Demi Moore, and they were all mid nineties. Yeah. So like by the mid noughties you're going. Surely there needs to be a board meeting at uh, at Video Easy. Just go. I think we can lose Steven Seagal now. <laughs> we need to bring Ashton Kutcher in. Yeah. But just, I, just I, in I, case Jean Claude Van Damme wanted to sneak down for a <laughs> weekly copy of Batteries <laughs> Not Included. <laughs> But I, I always remember the funniest thing I saw was I was standing in the car park and a car came in and parked in Nicole Kidman and then from inside the car I heard a whole lot of kids going, yeah, screaming. <laughs> and then they went out and reparked in Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> but I, mean, my, I had a pathetic joke that no one ever laughed at, which was I would, I would park like right down interview. the back. <laughs> I'd park down the very bottom of the car park and then I'd run to the front door and pass people coming out and go, oh, sorry, I'm, I'm down in Emilio Estevez. <laughs> <laughs> no one ever laughed. See, that's a, that's a, that's a charm that's gone out the window with the demise of video stores. You know, I want to log into my iTunes account every now and then there's just some random actor's name. It's like, good <laughs> morning, right. Seth Rogen. And I go, oh, yeah, yeah. here I am. I'm pretending yeah. that I'm in for, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. for this little session. Well, yeah. Ed Cavalier, who I work with, he... he worked at a video shop for seven years and he'll constantly remind you of things you've forgotten from the video shop like the boat hot what is it the boat safety video that was free remember how there were certain videos oh, i remember yeah. So, yeah i remember first aid videos and stuff or that yeah, were the, free. the head cleaning tape yeah yeah, you yeah. Buy, you could rent the head oh cleaning when, you'd, tape. when you'd rent a tape because it was for anyone too young to remember this there you know vhs Tapes, you, 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 if you got a VHS tape that had some dust on it, you'd put it in your machine and it would fuck your machine. That's so right. So then any other yeah. video that you put in, you'd just have this cloud on the yeah. screen. So then you'd have to get this tape that you poured this liquid into. That's you right. had to chuck that in there for a few minutes just to clean out your system. So it was like it was like an STD of the video world. Yeah. You know, you'd get a yeah. dodgy VHS from the shop. Yeah. Some, some other just... 
incompetent or irresponsible person is allowed to just just get dusted up to the shit or, house. Or now your machine's ruined. Yeah. And people wouldn't rewind the tapes and it was always to fun to see where it was. So you <laughs> yeah, see, out. Like, yeah. basic instinct would always be on that scene. Is that a true thing? Because people always talk about that that that, that um that scene in Basic Instinct. How the tracking was all wonky because yeah, yeah, people yeah. had played yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Is that a true thing? Yes, right. I've rented plenty of movies that, that, that happened. Yeah, right. for sure. Like you, you, you hire out Hard Times at Ridgemont High. You never got to see Fast Phoebe. Times at Ridgemont Fast High. Fast Times. <laughs> hard Times hard was time. another film. <laughs> hard Times at Shay Chandler watching Fast yeah. Times at Ridgemont High. Yeah, well, you couldn't see Phoebe Cates very well by the end of that movie. She came out of that pool and was just a blur. Yeah. <laughs> Um, well, speaking of, of books, Bob, because you've just brought out a book. And it's great. Oh, it yes. Is. Oh, yes. Um, Moving <laughs> Tigers, yes. I think it's called. Moving Tigers, Something yeah. Something else I've forgotten. Uh, you left it in the car. Moving Tigers, yes. Yeah. Yes. What I, and it's a collection of like horror short stories. No, it's a, it's a full this, yeah, this is, this is yeah. a, um, a a novel with uh, a bonus short story. There, there, I've never seen this before in a book where it's like there's a, you know a bonus track. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, right. The book there's a whole extra story, or it's like a band. reverse Pixar where they have a little short at the start of the movie <laughs> yeah, to kick right. things off. If yeah. it was really like a bonus track, it would be like a record where you've got 140 pages of novels and then 20 pages of blank <laughs> pages <laughs> and then another five pages. That's what we had to do to make it look like it was a, a yeah. good value buy. <laughs> you can do that in the comedy festival instead of a support act. You've got a cool down act, so you <laughs> yeah. do like your 45 minutes, yeah. and then someone. Someone kind of comes out after you to just kind of help the audience transition back into yeah, yeah, yeah. Into real life. No, Someone a bit worse than you. No, but it's like, <laughs> but it's like you know when you go to a big show, a big uh, like a concert, and you know you see your favorite band. It's like bam, 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 and then they deliberately put the worst music they can think of on straight afterwards because it's like, well, this will fucking get them out. You've just seen Metallica. Yeah, you're not going to put up with indecent obsession like for in more than ten Towns, minutes. How they started playing classic music at the train stations. Yeah. To, to Clear away the thugs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Didn't work in um, Clockwork Orange. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, what I enjoy, well, having not read it yet, it's just come out. But uh, uh, with Moving Tigers, I'm enjoying that it's been. It's come out through. I should give them their dues. A firm press, mm. and it costs retail nineteen ninety nine. Mm. So can we expect to go in the bookshops and, and find the, the, the copper coins coming out and getting a little bit of change? Or how does that work these days? Who, how well, do give, you... it, give it five weeks and it'll be in the bargain. Be in the bargain. <laughs> <laughs> Ten bucks. <laughs> how is it? How, do, do you get kept abreast of sales and, and all that sort of stuff? Is it do, do a firm, the good people at a firm keep you up to date with, with how it's charting and everything? No, I've literally not heard a word about it since uh, we launched oh, really? it back in... Um, Early Feb. Oh, God. Yeah. You have to go in there and do a bunch of signings for the, you know, the readings signed by the author copy that they yeah. have out there? Um, no, we launched it with, with a little comedy night just yep. to um, just to do something different, really. But I have done those things. I did, uh, for, for the previous book that I put out, there was uh, there was a signing outside Dimmock's mm-hmm. in Southland, which... It was a very sad affair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen it's some sad affairs out in those suburban places oh, as well. Some man. big names 
and you're out at Chadston, it's like no one's out here to get a vandalised book, really. Well, well, someone told me that, uh, here's a tip for budding authors, Bryce Courtney, what he used to do was he would sign every single copy in the shop because once they're signed, they can't send them back. Oh, yes. (laughs) To get a refund. So then when uh, my book Lolly Scramble came out. And Bryce Courtney was struggling at the time. (laughs) So it's a a nice little. (laughs) Every little bit helped. But he, uh, I remember going to readings in Malvern. And they said, oh, your, your book's here. Can you sign some? And they brought over five and I signed them. And then I noticed they had about 20 more. And I said, oh, I can do those as well. And they've gone, no, no, this will be fine. Yeah, yeah, right. They so the, they'd the Bryce rule. They'd be sending those ones back. The Bryce rule. I've got to be honest. I don't get it. I don't get people wanting a book that they've bought signed by the person Without, because to me, the thrill of getting something signed is Meeting having them. met the person and yes. having the story. Yeah. Tony, you came on Studio A when we worked on that, yes. and we had a sketch where Nick Cody was in blackface, where <laughs> all of the context was lost, and we're all freaking out, going, We're all so excited to have Tony Martin on the show, and this is like the first thing of our work that he's no, seeing. I, this is appalling. I love going on Studio A. What I remember about going on that show was that someone didn't turn up, the mayor of Melbourne. Oh yeah, Am I right. There was Robert That's Doyle. right, Robert Doyle. And I had to do, I, like you guys were panicking because he hadn't shown up, and they said, "Can you do his bits?" Oh yes. <laughs> yes. We had some sketch that was relying on all parking rules in inner yeah. city Melbourne or something. <laughs> there was a sketch that was only funny if it was the mayor. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I've got I got my book, uh, my copy of Lolly Scramble signed right. by you that night, and so I was rereading it again recently, and it's like that's a nice thing that you know that's that's I remember yep. that now. It's just, just having. Just buying a book already with the person's... Yeah, yeah exactly. It's like a weird it's thing bizarre. to want. It is like, yeah. I yeah, I don't write that at all. Yeah, that's it's very strange. Um, anyway. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you, for listeners, you had a look on your face like there was another thought coming and then I there think was. you realised there's no other thought. Yeah, no, there was and then I rated it and it came in about as four so I thought, <laughs> no, I'll just withdraw that, that thought. Well, we should uh, mention Bob's uh, the plot of Bob's book because I read it and it's clear that... Whoever wrote this book clearly did what happens in this book. Which do you want to explain that, Bob? Oh yeah, I mean, it, I used as the blueprint um, uh, one of these volunteer placements that I did with uh, my partner Ros Hammond. Ros organised this back in two thousand and nine, where we went over to Nepal, Nepal. to um, teach English in this in this remote little village. And how, how does that work? Is that like all these the ads that you see? You know, go to Japan and and teach people English, and is it that sort of, same sort of thing? Well, it's there's a number of companies that that employ people and um, send them uh, wherever there's a need for people, um, and, and it's not necessarily teaching. There's things like going over and um, uh, keep, uh, keeping a record of of animals in the Amazon and and that kind of thing. And, uh, but we, yeah, we did this one, which was teaching English for, for a couple of weeks in Nepal, and um, it was. Uh, I mean, it was the particular. We found out later the particular one that we were doing was notorious for people just not finishing it. It was. Um, what, what we were the only finish? people who, me and Ros, I think, were the only people who actually did the full two weeks. What was wrong with the course? Why why wouldn't they finish the the course? Um, You're too busy sliding soccer lessons in there. (laughs) (laughs) I did take a soccer ball, and (laughs) and it was you know it was one of the only things that you could actually do was um, you know play sport with them and um, and do you know get them to draw things and stuff because 
I mean, we had, we had a week of, of learning basic Nepali. We had lessons as part of the cultural orientation week beforehand. Um, but, I mean, you'd start off, we, we, were, we were teaching a, a bunch of uh, probably about 40 Muslim refugees um, from ranging from sort of 4 to 14, 15, who were being housed mostly at the local mosque. And we were, we were supposed to be teaching them English by using the Herald Sun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what is the Nepali for fuck off with? <laughs> well, I mean, it, you know, it's uh, they, they wouldn't have. They wouldn't have known what we were saying anyway, because... Um, <laughs> they hadn't been taught English yet. <laughs> well, no, no, we, they didn't speak English. Well, obviously, we didn't speak um, Arabic. And neither of us, neither party spoke Nepali. So there was, there was absolutely no way to communicate. Yeah. Uh, and they had nothing to write anything down with. They just... Like, we'd do the lessons, there was a blackboard cemented into a wall and they would just sit cross-legged on this porch area and they had no no pens or pencils or, or anything. Like things should have been worked out before you got over there. Well, yeah, I mean, there was a lot of us questioning <laughs> what the fuck use is, is any of these. And then you, you'd do two two lessons in the uh, the government school, uh, which was, yeah, they had a, they were slightly more advanced with, um, with knowing a bit of, English, but it was basically you were just constantly fighting this sense that the whole thing was completely futile. Yeah. And then they had this this thing, this after school thing for the elite of the area for extra schooling, and they they just had a couple of old PCs where the the you know just didn't work. You know, right from the, right from the get go. The, the the mouse was broken and you couldn't do anything with them. And just one copy of Where in the World Has Come in San Diego on it. That's it. <laughs> at, at well, that would have point, been something. <laughs> at what point do you go? Eh, it could be a good creepy book in this. <laughs> well, I I'd already started thinking about uh, about doing a creepy book based on the um, on something that happened earlier. Where uh, one of the um, uh, one of the guys selling flutes over there was continually running up to us and trying to get trying to get us to buy a, a flute, and so I <laughs> I formed this you know, this story idea based on that that uh, that then just started taking in other elements the longer it went on and um, eventually turned into moving tigers. But the, quote, but the whole book, it feels like. You didn't even need to... I was enjoying it before it even got disturbing. I'm going, wow, this is like, you know, someone's well, I, really done their homework here. <laughs> <laughs> well, I did try to keep it... I mean, it is a horror story, but it, I, I try to keep the tones sort of darkly... It's very humorous. gradual. Yes. It, it goes bizarre gradually. Yeah, and I, I tried... I wanted to make it humorous. I wanted to make the narrator's voice um, as, as humorous as possible. 
Um, you need to go back over there and finish off those English lessons so that those kids can read that book that <laughs> yeah. based on going over there the first time. Now the stakes are a lot higher. Yeah. I mean, some sweet, some sweet coin in the Affirm Press yeah. bank account. Or at the least, at least they can, if, when they do learn English, they can write down their lessons on the back of your book at least. They'll have something to write on. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, you do, you do wonder what's become of, of all of them. So what happened in the end? Did you, did you get a sort of conclusion out of like how... How that company had worked? Did you did you finish you finished the whole class and then you just took off after two weeks? Or well, the, I mean, the, the way it works is you have a week of um, of cultural orientation where you're taken around all the uh, the sites of cultural significance and you stay with families while you're doing it and they they look after you while you're there and. Uh, you you stay a couple of nights in a, a farmhouse in the Kathmandu Valley, and it's all yeah, it's all incredibly basic. I mean, it's well, I think it's the second poorest country in the world, so it's it's all um, a real eye opener. <laughs> and uh, after after you've done that, you do a bit of whitewater rafting, um, and then it finishes with a little four day trek. So they obviously they're trying to combine the the work side of it with um, with some leisure activities. <laughs> yeah, it's good. They leave that as the last thing to do. So at least when you come home, you're like, oh, we went white water rafting. It was pretty good. And yeah. you sort of forget the bit that you got royally screwed yeah. in the first bit. <laughs> Trip to yeah. Sizzler, that was fun. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like oh, the, no, I, I, you know, it was never my intention to, to sort of badmouth the companies that do it. Just the in, I mean, for the purposes of the story, it was. It was necessary that the the woman who's narrating the story has a, a bad time. So I, you know, I don't. Uh, I certainly don't want to say that these organisations aren't doing something worthwhile. Yeah. You know, and I'm sure the kids would have got something out of it just just by the fact that you're there and and they're you know they're, they're absorbing something. Yeah. Or you, you know, at the very least, you're taking them out and playing football with them. And yeah, they got the guy from the Archie Thompson <laughs> Soccer School. Yeah. I reckon they're all probably written books about their experience too. So you know, they all got a book deal. Well, they had no pencils. <laughs> um, we're nearly out of time, but uh, I do want to tell this very quickly before we head off. Um, I was in Brisbane last week, and uh, I spent a lot of time there getting Ubers around. So it kind of sounds very similar to your experience in Nepal, basically. <laughs> um, uh, do you go, do either of you use have you used Uber at all, Tony or Bob? I know of it, but I've never had occasion to use. What are we missing out on? I I really like it because it's it's very easy. Just it's just an app, and you just you yeah. know driver comes to you. It's like a taxi, but a lot easier to right. book. But the thing I noticed about it in Brisbane is because it's a it's a very new industry. The drivers are all. Very chatty because they're still very excited about being Uber drivers. They haven't had their spirits crushed like uh, like a lot of taxi drivers have. Right, yeah. So they're all still genuinely interested. So I got in and it, like I would get one to the venue every day to do my show. And every day uh, you're getting a, it's the new it's the new getting a haircut. You're getting a lot of oh, much on today and. Uh, what, what do you do? What do you do for a job? Oh, you're going out of the powerhouse. What's on down there? And so get, we've discussed this with getting haircuts. I haven't, you know, thought up a fake job that means <laughs> right. that I don't have to say comedy because then you just you're just in you're just in for <laughs> a million follow up questions. Yeah. So my driver on the last day I was there, he goes, oh, you know, what do you do? I'm like, oh, I do stand up comedy. He goes, oh, he, was, he goes, oh yeah, yeah. You know, I was a um. I myself, I was a, uh, I was a mobile DJ uh, in New Zealand for 26 years. So, yeah, I know all about that. I'm like, 
I don't think you know all about it. <laughs> There's probably a couple of bits of overlap, but uh, 26 years though. 26 yeah. years Hardcore. in New Zealand as a mo- and also why are you saying? Why does anyone say they're a mobile DJ? Like why not just say you're a DJ? You yeah. know what I mean? DJ sounds kind of cool. Mobile DJ just sounds <laughs> sad. That's like, a big leap like... to to be stuck in mobile DJing for 26 years and then jump over to Uber though. That's... <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Like so, my dad be getting into Uber. That's <laughs> weird. Yeah, he was a he was an older man. So yeah, we, we anyway. Then he his immediate follow up question was asking me exactly how much money I earn every night from doing comedy. Right, which right. Is, so I'm kind of mumbling my way through a vague answer, and then he cuts me off to go, "Hey, whatever happened to Kevin Bloody Wilson? Because I tell you what, I haven't heard hide nor hair of him in years now." That's a direct quote, by the way. Very eloquent, he's a, he, he's very eloquent <laughs> manner of asking about the whereabouts of Kevin Bloody Wilson. <laughs> he's a mobile DJ in New Zealand. <laughs> <laughs> so so then, a, uh, then he, and I'm just, again, muddling my way through an answer. Like, oh, I think he was touring recently, like trying to pretend like I'm up to date on the whereabouts of... You saw him down at the, at the meeting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 See, I think he's on Twitter, is he? Is he? K- old KBW. KBW. Um, I th- I assume there'd be someone in in his camp running a his, running a Twitter. His, his daughter camp. certainly is. Isn't yeah. his daughter Jenny Taylor. Jenny Taylor. Yeah. Yep. Jenny bloody Taylor. No. <laughs> oh, yeah. that's, that's unpleasant. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't need that in there. <laughs> I chopped that bit out. That was, that was bad enough. <laughs> We're keeping that in. That's good stuff. But, but I was when I moved to Australia in the mid about eighty five. Gave I up mo- on your mobile DJ. I yes. gave that away and moved to Brisbane and. I remember the number one album, I think it was of the year. Mm. I think it was like Thriller by Michael Jackson was number two and number one was Kev's Back oh. by Kevin Bloody Wilson. And I'd never heard of Kevin Bloody Wilson. I thought, oh, I'll just, I just want to see the album. And the album, I don't know if you remember it, it's just him taking a piss on a wall. <laughs> <laughs> that was the number one album of the year. Take notice, wall fans. You're about to cop it on this release. So then, anyway, so I'm trying to, you know, just again say, I don't know, whatever I know about Kevin Bloody Wilson. And then... We're driving down the street. We, we drive past a, um, a kind of a, a larger woman pushing a pram. Right. Again, he cuts me off to go, Jesus Christ, would you look at the ass on that? And this is on Sunday and I go, oh, anyway, yeah, good. Ha- happy International Women's Day, <laughs> by the way. And he, he doesn't get the joke. He's like, yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's good that there's, you know, they're not all like that. And I'm like, oh, fuck, all right. <laughs> you know when someone's like saying awful things but like in a really – they're still a really like nice person, like really very energetic yeah. and very yep. very well-meaning. So it's kind of hard to be too like oh, – And you're one-on-one. You're in a moving yeah, vehicle exactly. that's piloted by them. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So, did you say piloted? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, so then uh, we he puts the landing gear in and we get to the destination and uh, I get out and I'm like, hey, thanks hey, thanks very much, man. Um, you know, lovely to meet you. Um, you know, have a nice night. And he goes, oh, mate, tell you what, 7 p.m., I'm knocking off. I'm going home, getting a whole roast chicken and throwing it straight on the Weber barbecue. So bloody bliss for me from here on out. And I just went... I'll never be that happy. Like, <laughs> my life, my, my criteria for a good night will never be that self-contained. Yeah. Like, yeah, so a very – anyway, good plug there for the Uber company. If you can get this. <laughs> yeah, sure. Mark was his name. If you see him pop up on your radar, definitely <laughs> definitely go for a ride because you'll get some good yarns out of him. <laughs> That's right. Maybe if you do see him, uh, chucking him a copy of Born Again Piss Tank, my favourite. <laughs> 
from the Kevin Bloody Wilson oeuvre. <laughs> well, it's back. Before we go, a big thanks to Tony Martin for not commenting on the podcast at my woeful collection of, of DVDs. As, as you walked in, I realised the folly of uh, leaving my, my predominantly romantic comedy DVDs. Carl, you've uh, got Bride Wars. <laughs> <laughs> Technically, I, I, I haven't bought any of those. There's From here, I can see Friends with Benefits. So just a bunch of... You know things that you, you would have gone above. It'd be above what? above the magnificent Ambersons in your your <laughs> view. I would have thought. What I love above, like in your in your in your girlfriend's collection, there you've got uh, Bride Wars. You know, as we met, we've got Kardashians, Pretty Woman, and then the Untouchables is just snuck in there. A a, a French film. Not the Untouchables. The in- yeah, the yeah, Untouchables, yeah. which is I don't know if anyone's seen it, but it's it's that's a that's a big that sticks out like a sore thumb. Tell you what, is, here's here's an exercise. Bob's sitting nearest to the deep. DVDs. Without looking, Bob, just reach in <laughs> and pull one out at random. Let's see what we get. And then we're going to put it oh, on and do a live oh. commentary on the podcast. Oh, oh. Tower Heist. Oh, one of the great comedies oh. of the... That's unfortunate, isn't it? That <laughs> yeah. wasn't really typical at all. I'll go for another one. Take two. I went go. to the, one of the premiere screenings of Tower Heist and it was like maybe... 30% full, like <laughs> given out a lot yeah. of freebies and no one had gone. This is more like it, Notting Hill. Yeah, right. that's, that's and it's signed to Carl. <laughs> 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 By Kevin Bloody. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> there is, a, yeah, now that is more indicative of the entire content of that whole cabinet. It's just all, it's, my girlfriend's the sort of person that buys her DVDs at, at Coles. So that's, oh, that's what you're going to get. She's the one she's keeping the you one. Yeah. yeah, She's the one buying DVDs from Coles. Just, yeah. you know. I've never gotten that. I've never, I've no. never understood it. It's not for you. It's yeah. for my girlfriend. Well, I mean, there's a lot of kids' movies, so you think that's a, that's a kid pestering their parent to buy them space chimps or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, when you see, like, Desperado there, you're like, who's the person who's... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> No, no, my girlfriend can't go down and buy two litres worth of milk without, you know, popping in and getting bloody, uh, there's something about Mary. (laughs) (laughs) Well, guys, that is just about all the time we have for the Little Dum Dum Club this week. Uh, Tony Martin, Bob Franklin, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Uh, you. So, Bob Franklin, people should keep a lookout for your show in the Council Chambers 2016 at the Comedy (laughs) Festival. Yeah, I'll be well honed by then. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, moving, Moving Tigers. 1999. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just hold off and get it. Yeah. <laughs> 10 bucks. 1899. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Tony, have you got things uh, that you would like to. I have an like? ebook, which is almost a book, uh, and that's at tonymartinthings.com. Six yep. bucks. Scarcely relevant. Sca- uh, yeah, scarcely relevant. That's what it's called. It's <laughs> yeah. been out that for so long. I forgot of, what yeah. it was called. <laughs> it sounded like it was him accusing you of the plug not being on brand enough. No, we don't need to hear about your ebook on this. Yeah. No. Uh, we've got our live shows at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival coming up yes. every Sunday. Live podcasts followed by the drunk cast on the final night of the festival at 10 p.m. Yes. And of course, you can see myself and Tommy in Border Protection Squad mm. oh. sometime yeah. in the next decade. What's going to happen? Being played in the council chambers. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Maybe we have a screening after the. Uh, we'll sign a we'll sign a copy for you. <laughs> <laughs> that could be that could be like your, your short story at the end of your book. You can be the short the the short story at the end of uh, Bob's pl- uh, show. My hope is that I'm by the time it comes out, like I'm I'm like unrecognisable in it. Yeah. Like I've gone fully That's bald right. by the time the film comes out because I had my hair really long at the time. I remember like. 
and it's just yeah, it's. Just it, well, I mean, it was the sixties. That was yeah. the <laughs> that was the fashion at the time. So some kind of Benjamin Button like <laughs> experiment. <the whole> thing. <laughs> uh, we've also got our solo shows: seven p.m. for me, Cutie Pie, and nine forty-five for you. For Carl Chandler, world's greatest and best comedian. If you're yeah. in Melbourne, yeah, <laughs> great. It's cool. All yes. All, all, all at our website, littledumdumclub.com. Guys, thanks very much for listening, and we'll see you next time. See, see you, mates. mates.